I'll, I'll try not to talk too much about camp, but just let me say this. is We obviously got back last night around 5 o'clock, and we had a great week. We left Sunday as soon as we said amen. We were pretty much loading up the vans and uh, out of here. So we've been gone all week down to Hardin, Kentucky, uh, Bob and Kim Warren's place. Bob obviously is deceased, but Kim is still there doing ministry, which is awesome. And uh, she loved on us. But just the fact that we took 30 junior high and high school students with us and 15 adults showed up. That's two to one. You may think that's a lot of people, but uh, to do what we do during the week with those students, uh, it takes a lot of people. We could have used more. Could have used more adults. Those that have been in the past and those that were there realize how much work it actually is. And uh, it's a joy. Like what we're going to talk about this morning in, the, in this passage of Scripture, uh, G- Jesus kind of says, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. And I'm telling you, our leaders worked hard, but I, I truly believe they didn't do anything, if that makes any sense. For some of you in this room, that does. And so they got rest, even though physically they may be uh, tired this morning. They, they definitely got some spiritual rest out of it. But just, just think about the fact that we don't do youth camp like we used to. We used to do a big band. You know, uh, you guys are familiar. We're, we obviously have a relationship with Mercy Me. But they did band for, or camp for me for like five years before they were big names or whatever. Uh, and we'd have a speaker come in and everything else. And you, you can't do that this way anymore. You can't do speaker, big band. I guess you can, but we felt like it, it's more intimate for a kid, three kids, to, to hang out for two hours with Keith Tyner and just walk and talk because the, the word's going to come out. To put five or six kids with 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 Glenn Christie and have them talk about how science and faith relate, and put five or six with Matt and talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And they just like spend two hours a day just hanging out with. The, I, there's there's a whole list of people that they hung out with all week long. Just a, a beautiful thing. Of course, we played games, got wet, had a great time, uh, and it, it was a lot of work. But uh, I'm thankful for the experience of being able to do camp. And thank you for supporting us through your prayers, your letters, your care packages. I got text messages of people praying for me. And uh, it was just a beautiful thing. So let's, let's jump into the scripture where we were. For those of you that are, are guests with us, we've been going through the Gospels this is my uh, 20th week to teach on the Gospels, and I'd say I'm about a quarter of the way through. So you've, you've missed a lot, and to catch you up briefly is this, is that Jesus has come and he says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that they've been talking about all the way back since Genesis chapter 3 that was supposed to come during the Old Testament, never came, never came, now I'm here, I'm the son of Joseph, a carpenter, not actually uh, the son, the earthly, but he is the earthly son. Obviously, God is his father. And uh, I come from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. 
And there's two, two groups of people. There's the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are pretty much led by the Pharisees, and the Pharisees have already said, hey, this isn't our Messiah. He's not the one that's going to come in here and protect us and take everybody down that's like kicked our tails for the last 2,000 years. This guy, this guy can't be the Messiah. He's not our Savior. He's not going to save the Jews. And they literally, after Jesus has done two messianic miracles, which is miracles that no one else had ever done, he, uh, he healed a, 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 a Jewish leper that had never been done. And then he healed a, a person that uh, was mute, couldn't speak or hear, from, uh, that was demon-possessed. He cast out the demons. No one had ever done these miracles before. Jesus did them. And it was proof that he was the Messiah, yet they still denied that he was the Messiah. Then you've got uh, those that believed, and they're following him, and they're pursuing him. And he's got his 12, anywhere from like 15 years old to 30-year-old disciples that are following him. These 12 guys that are more concerned about filling their stomachs than they are filling their hearts. They're just, they're just typical fishermen businessmen learning their dad's trade and now they're following this rabbi this messiah and he's trying to teach them so now the pharisees have said you're not our messiah they accused him of doing these miracles under the spirit of beelzebub which is the devil and uh, jesus said okay now you've been cut off if you're going to accuse me of doing these things Not only have you denied that I'm the Messiah, but you've accused me of doing these things under the spirit of Satan. You're not going to hear any more of this message. And he starts, his whole ministry changes. He starts teaching in parables so they can't understand it. He stops healing in public. He stops doing miracles in public, and he starts doing them privately for those that have a personal faith. And so... He's got these 12 guys around, and he's teaching them. He's empowering them to do the same thing. He's teaching them, and he's even sent them out to go and to heal people and to do miracles and teach them about the goodness of Jesus and that he is the Messiah. And this is where we pick up the story. We covered a lot just there in like three or four minutes. John chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone off alone. Remember, this is the story where Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side. The disciples got in the boat, the storm came up, and Jesus was like just cruising across the Sea of Galilee. A big squall had come up, and they're like scared to death, and Jesus says, it's all right, I got this thing. Calms the storm down. Peter, this is when Peter got out of the boat. This was all last week. It says, verse 23, Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate, ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. He had also fed the 5,000. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum. Remember what we said about Capernaum. This is what... We said that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but when he actually went back to Nazareth to teach this, they didn't receive him there either. Not even in his own home. So he literally made his ministry headquarters Capernaum. This is like on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. It says they, uh, that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got in the boats and went to Capernaum. Look 
looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered him. He literally begins to not only talk about when I say the multitudes, we're talking about the Jews who are following the Pharisees in denial that he is the Messiah, but you've also got those that are following him because they truly believe that he is the Messiah. And it is their faith that saves them. And Jesus answered and says, I assure you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. These were the people that were part of the 5,000 that Jesus had just fed them. And they thought, hey, you know what? If we just pursue this Jesus guy, this Messiah, he'll take care of all of our needs. He'll always feed us. He'll always, like, you know, provide for us. I, I mean, it's pretty awesome the way that he did that. And he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of the Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Now, understand this. This is the multitudes, and Jesus is still teaching in parables. He's teaching them and saying things that the, that the Jews are not going to understand. And even the Gentiles are not going to understand. In fact, even the disciples, his 12 guys, are not going to understand. They don't get it. Nobody gets it. But he then, later, watch, you will see this, he takes them privately and he explains exactly what he says to them. Why? Because he wants them to know. He wants them to understand. And he says, you guys are like looking for food, the physical food, but I have a different kind of food that will set you up for life. It's a spiritual food. And they said, what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. And Jesus replied, this is the work of God. He's getting ready to tell you. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I said it right there. You want to know how to live the Christian life. You want... It's not all this work. It's not about coming here and setting up chairs. It's not about going to camp and doing all these things. It's simply you believe in the one he has sent. That's it. I promise you, if you just believe in that, he will lead you to do things that are unbelievable. Like, like Trish and Mike went to camp for the very first time. And when they were done, they were like, uh, wow, this isn't anything that we thought it was going to be. And I promise you, if all you do is believe, he's going to lead you to do things that are unimaginable. Now watch this. This is important. If you go to John chapter fourteen ten, this is later on. We're not there yet. But this is what Jesus says about all of his works and his miracles. He says this, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Is Jesus doing the work? Absolutely not. He says, I'm not the one doing it. It's my Father that's doing it. You, 
you saw that all 5,000 of you were fed, but literally that wasn't me doing it. That was my father. I always have this. Look, it's right here. Just to remind you real quickly, Chloe did this. This is what it looks like. This is God the Father. Jesus says, look at this. I'm in the Father. Jesus is in the Father. And here's what it looks like for me. Chloe says, I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me. Who does the work? Father does. God does. It's not Chloe. It's not even Jesus. It's God the Father that does the work. Jesus is in Chloe. Chloe's in Jesus. Jesus is in the Father. I'm telling you, it's all about learning how to rest in the middle of a chaotic world. How do you do that? That's what they simply ask right here. And Jesus is saying to them, all you have to do is believe. Just believe. It's not about being religious. <laughs> Trust me. It's not about being here on Sunday mornings. I could care less if you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're interested in the Word of God because that's the only thing that we're really going to do here today. But I'm not here to build up some big ministry. In fact, God doesn't even want me to work for Him. He just wants me to enjoy him. <laughs> Trust me, I'm enjoying him right now. I'm absolutely enjoying him. Look, I'm not going to change your life. Trust me. I'll hang out with you. Matt will hang out with you. Dan will hang out. We'll all hang out with you, but we're not going to change anybody's lives in here. The only person that's going to change a life in here is going to be God the Father. It's not my work. It's not based upon what I do. That doesn't mean I don't do anything. Trust me, I look, I'm doing stuff all the time. But it's not me doing it. You know what's hard about this right here? Is we just keep trying. <laughs> right? Like, I, like literally, I hear about your all's junk all the time and go, I know how I can fix this. I know what I need to say to them. I know what I need to do. I know how I can, and really I just need to go, all right, Father, whatever it is you lead us to do to help this family, to help this individual, that's what we'll do. I have to quit trying because I'm always going to try to do it in my own strength. That's what I, it's like set up here in my hard drive. Then they said to him, what sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? They just have question after question. Keep proving to us that you're the Messiah. You've already proven it, but we don't believe it. So now show us another sign so that we can believe you. They ask, what are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. All of a sudden, these are the Jews. They're, they're obviously going back to when they were in the wilderness. Moses had led them out of the, the, the Egyptians' uh, captivity, and they were promised the promised land, but they didn't get there because they had fear. And so then they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, and God provided manna for them. Every day they eat the same thing. Manna and honey. 40 years.
Mike, you did a great job, you and KDN, feeding those kids at camp. They had something different, every, well, except for the leftover day. But every day, manna and honey. And it says, they remember this. God provided for them. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but Father gives it the real bread from heaven. Like, yeah, that, you're talking about the physical bread? And Jesus did that whole miracle of feeding the 5,000, which he said it's the same thing that God did. He provided for Moses' people back then. I did it again for you here, but that's not even the real deal. There's a bigger deal than that. There's, there's a spiritual food that you're missing, and that comes from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir... Give us this bread always. Like whatever you're talking about, that's what they're still thinking physically. They're still thinking physically and Jesus is talking spiritually. And Jesus says this. I am. It's the first time he says I am. I am the bread of life. you read that and you go on you miss something right there this is not about works this is not about religion this is about life what is life is it quality or is it quantity I feel like I've led a quality life Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what the Father has done through me. Jesus is saying, you guys, if you want to figure this thing out, you're going to have to understand that you have to be connected with the Father. It's not about the physical food. You have to be, to have life, you have to be connected to the Father, just as I've modeled for you, just as I told you. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And they're, again, they're thinking physically. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. You know, I thought this would be a great opportunity to do the Lord's Supper. Because he's talking about him being the bread of life. And then he talks about the, that his blood poured out as well. And I thought, this, but he's not even talking about the Lord's Supper right here. He's not. He's not saying, do this in remembrance of me. He's like saying, literally, I can be your life. If you just let me be your life. If you just chill out and quit trying to do all the religious stuff. If you just believe, watch what happens. He says, but as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. There will be some that believe that he is the Messiah. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Who is doing the work? The Father is. I've just come down here to talk about how much he loves you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, He's doing the work through me. Hello. He sent me. I'm just being obedient. 
says, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's literally talking. If you go to the end times and talk about it in Thessalonians, it talks about there will be a remnant of Jews in the last days that come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's what he's talking about right there. And you know what? You read into that whole Thessalonians thing and the Antichrist, who we have no idea who it is, knows that there will be a remnant of Jews at the very end. And that's why he will always try to get rid of the Jews. Because he knows that truth that Jesus spoke about in this very passage right here. In 40, verse 41, it says, Therefore the Jews started complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? Yeah, that was his earthly dad, but that's not his real dad. Whose father and mother we know, how can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Well, you know the story, right? The Christmas story. Is that the Virgin Mary was with child. Doesn't say Mary was with Joseph and had a child. It was Mary was with child. It's because Jesus was sent from his Father in heaven. Jesus answered them, Stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Not by Rusty, not by Jesus, but by God. Everyone who has listened and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Now watch what he says. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. That's it. Ha, did you hear it? Anyone who believes has eternal life. Anyone that believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who came down here, climbed up on the cross, had his blood poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins, all my sins, all your sins that you've already done, all the sins that you're currently doing, and all the sins that you're going to do, he died one time for all sin. He was buried. He rose again. He's sitting by the Father, and they sent this Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and this Holy Spirit saying, I'm here to do your work. Let me do it for you. He says, all you have to do is believe. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. That's the physical part. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it may not die. Like, you'll live forever. Spiritually, you'll live forever. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my, my flesh. Now watch, they didn't understand a, a word that he said. Didn't have a clue. And at that, the Jews again argued among themselves, 
how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's just nasty. They just don't get it. So Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his... Don't you think Jesus just loves stirring the pot? (laughs) You're telling me that we have to eat your flesh? And he repeats himself, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise up on that last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I am him. Just as the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so that the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your fathers ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He's like saying, quit thinking physically. You're thinking about eating my flesh physically. It's not that. I am the bread of life. If you come spiritually and you soak into what he has to say, if you figure this thing out, if you literally understand that the blood of Christ has forgiven you, you realize there had to be blood that was shed for your forgiveness. That was the plan that God had set up for them. That blood had to be poured out. It wasn't the blood of bulls and goats, as it says in Hebrews, that all that did was like cover it. It just covered it. It was an atonement. Everything they did in the Old Testament just covered it. Jesus came and his blood was poured out and it brought forgiveness. Total difference. There's a total difference between like just eradicating and removing all the sin versus covering it up. That's what Jesus' blood did. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, a Jewish synagogue. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, the teaching is hard. (laughs) The 12 guys like, (laughs) I can't comprehend this. I can't figure this thing out. Whatever you're saying, Jesus, this is weird. This is his 12 disciples. They've already like seen all these miracles. This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Like, they will see him ascend eventually. The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. You guys, you can continue to work in your flesh. And it's going to get you nowhere. But if you do things in the Spirit, that's life. That's joy. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. He's talking to the 12 disciples right now. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. Who would that be? 
Judas Iscariot. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. Watch this. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. <laughs> like, today, if you go to church and Jesus taught this message and people said, that's weird. We're out of here. You would be a failure at church growth. Right? I mean, is that not the deal? It's how many people can we get into this building right here? How many people can we get in this building? How big can we grow this machine? We've got to keep this thing pumping. We can do more programs. We can get more money in here. We can do this thing. Jesus is like saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. And people walked away. They, they literally walked away. Look, you're, you're free to come and go in here. There is no membership here. <laughs> if there's something that offends you or you disagree with and you need to like go elsewhere, you're free to do that. You're not locked in here. I don't need you. I don't need you. The Father doesn't need you. We're here because one... We believe in the Word of God, and we're going to teach the Word of God. And two, there's a great community here that loves each other and deeply cares about each other. And I'm assuming that's why you're here. I'm assuming that's why you're here. It's because, one, I'm probably not ever going to get up and give you ten points of how to live your life. probably just going to read the word to you and trust that that spirit that same spirit that lives in me that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you is going to teach you that it's not dependent upon me he says this people turned away and then jesus said to the 12 you want to go away too you guys not believe me you 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 want to walk Jesus saying it's not about quantity it's about quality he literally he literally stirred the pot to run the multitude off get them out of here if they don't want to believe that I'm the Messiah then I'm okay with them leaving look I believe in what we're doing here but to me my identity is not in Levener my identity, if my identity is in Levner, we're all in trouble. Trust me. This is a viable ministry, but it's definitely not about the organization Levner. It's just a mechanism. That's all it is. Don't, don't you buy into that whole Levner thing just because it's a, an organization. It's simply just a way to describe this group of people. That's it. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's the Lord's deal, right? I don't have to worry about it. I don't. I, if there's three people in here and they want to hear the word of God, I'm cool with that. And then Simon Peter answered, Lord, 
who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. He's like, he's like, Jesus is saying to him, do you guys want to go too? Peter's like going, I, I've got no place to go. You're, you're it. Peter, you know Peter, right? You got to love Peter. He's like, I don't have any place to go. You're the Holy One of God. Ooh, at what point, at what point, in this room right here, do you say, Lord, you're all I got. You, you take these kids to camp and try to pry those phones out of their hands. And you just try to get them to see how big God is. Watch what God will do in your life. Can you get can you get the, the, the campers to say, Lord, you're really all I got? And it's not any different with the adults. You get to a point where you go, Yep, this is it. This is all I got. It says <clears throat> Jesus replied to them. Didn't I choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. Now, wait a second, wait a second. I know what you're sitting there thinking. How many disciples did he choose? How many disciples did he choose? Twelve. He chose all twelve. Guess what he chose them for? He chose them to be his disciples. He didn't choose them for salvation. Because he says one of them is going to betray him. He says, I chose you, I chose you as the twelve. He's not saying that he chose them for salvation. He's saying, I chose you to follow me, to be. He says he was referring to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the twelve, because he was going to betray him. And then quickly turn to Mark chapter 7. says the pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from jerusalem gathered around him they observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread with the unclean that is unwashed hands for the pharisees in fact all the jews will not eat unless they wash their hands ritually keeping the tradition of the elders when they come from the marketplace they did not eat unless they have washed and there are many other customs they have received and keep like the washing of cups, jugs, copper utensils, and dining couches and dining couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, "Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ritually unclean hands?" Now uh, I didn't bring my book today, but if you read this thing out of context. It seems like these disciples are being unlawful. You would say these Pharisees are calling out Jesus' 12 disciples. But what you have to know is this. And, and this is crazy. I don't know why I'm going to close on this right here. but uh, They had come up with this oral tradition. You see, God gave them the law through Moses, the Ten Commandments, and even through Leviticus. And he gave them the law. Yet they still got taken into captivity 
by the Babylonians, and they didn't feel like the law really protected them. And what I mean by that is this, is that they were disobedient, and because God let them be taken into captivity because of their disobedience. So they thought, well, let's just create more laws. If we create more laws, that's what we do, right, in our society today. If something goes wrong, we'll just create another law and try to get these people to be controlled under the law. So they did that, and they came up with uh, my book of like 1,700 pages. It's called the Mishnah. It's the oral law. And these Pharisees actually memorized this law. And that's what they're busting Jesus for, is like his disciples are not, are not being obedient to the Mishnah, the oral law, rather than the law of Moses, and Jesus could care less about their oral law. He says, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They're more concerned about obeying their laws than they are about their own heart. Isaiah said that, and obviously Jesus is saying, you're fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of man. He also said to them, you completely invalidate God's command in order to maintain your tradition. Watch this. I'm going to read it to you real quick. This is what the Mishnah says about... Oh, are you kidding me? I had it right open to it, and of course it's going to... No, I'm not going to read it to you now, because I'm not there. But he, it's got like five pages of them talking about them washing their hands, how the water rolls off and the water rolls off, and they keep repeating themselves. Five, five pages, five pages of how they should be washing their hands. And this is all laws that they made up. And Jesus is like saying, your traditions are not important. Watch what else they, he says to him right here. He says, For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. That, that's, that's in the Old Testament. That's in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Jesus quotes that. And he says, But you say, if a man tells his father or mother whatever benefit, be, benefit you might have received from me is korban. Now, if you don't know what the word korban means is this, is the Pharisees have said, if my father or mother comes up to my house and they're in financial need and they come into my house that I can automatically say right before they walk in that everything in my house is korban. In other words, this is reserved for the Lord. Uh, for the temple of the Lord. They don't have to like give it right then. They just have to say, this is intended for the service of the Lord's temple. I'm going to take this, sell this, use it for the synagogue. And so literally, a father and mother can walk up with need from their child and everybody goes, oh, this is all Corban. Like Jesus is saying, you guys are wicked. It really says right here, Moses says, honor your father and mother, yet you won't even, like, take care of them. You won't even provide for them. 
you'll come up with some rule that says, no, I don't have to do that because this is for the Lord. And you're really doing it in vain. And close out, it says, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You revoke God's word by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that gives in to a person from outside can defile him, but the, the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now he's talking about food. If anyone has ears to hear, he should listen. Who's he talking to? The multitude. They can't hear. He's teaching in parables. He's blocked them off because they blaspheme the God, because they blaspheme God to his face. Anybody who has ears to hear, he should listen. In the last couple of verses, he says, when he went into the house from the crowd, the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to him, what has he done? He told the multitude, you have to be able to hear this. Then he goes privately into a home with his disciples and he breaks it down. He says, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a man from the outside can defile him? Anything that like he eats, it's all good. It's not about the food that's causing you to be defiled. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Everything you eat just goes like right through. As a result of what he just said, he just made all foods clean for them. That's a big deal for a Jewish person. They don't eat pork. And he's like saying, it's okay. It's like getting pooped out. It's going right through you. It's not about that. Here's what it's about. He says, what comes out of a person that defiles him? This is what Rick was talking about. For from within, out of the person's heart, what comes out? This is how you know who a believer is. This is how you know who a believer is. What comes out of his heart? says, for from within, out of a, peop a people's heart, come out evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, promiscuity, stinginess, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. How do you know a person has a new heart? Because those things don't come out of them. Oh, I get it. Rusty, I've seen some of that come out of you. Yeah, occasionally it does. Occasionally, watch this. Occasionally I make a bad choice. And that bad choice is associated with my flesh. It's a bad habit pattern that I created long ago. When I had an old, old sinful heart remember i was born sinful every every person here was born sinful and we did sinful things and then all of a sudden jesus came along and all i did was i believed and when i believed he took out my old sinful heart and he put a new heart in and now it's natural for me to do good things. It's natural for me to want to go to camp. It's natural for me to want to hang out with kids. It's natural for me to want to come up here and teach the word. It's natural for me to want to hang out with you. It's unnatural for me to do things of the flesh. It's unnatural. But occasionally I still make bad choices. 
I still make bad choices. Jesus is saying, you want to know who a believer is? Watch what comes out. Watch what comes out. That's how you know. Father, I pray that as we uh, just uh, unpack your word, that, one, it's not about me, but it's about you. I trust that uh, you'll teach, (laughs) that you've taught, and that you continue to teach uh, your word today, and that um, we can just believe, we can just rest, we can just trust. I believe that you'll do it in us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.